Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome into another edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. I'm Bennett Sunbelt Conlon, joined by Jack Fitzpatrick. And uh, oh, you know, no, 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 my name's Jack. Uh, wait, no, you're Bennett CUSA Conlon. No. Sunbelt Fitzpatrick. <laughs> You were on the CUSA train earlier today. Bert. Oh, wait, before we get going, we do want to announce kind of a big announcement um, on top of everything else that happened today. Kanye West did officially change his name to just Yay. So That's pretty now cool. with that out of the way, we can move on to the more important things. Like we are now officially a part of the Believe Podcast Network. Um, we're joining the FC- Believe in FCS podcast, the Walk on Radio guys. Headed over. Nothing's going to change for listeners. Um, nothing's really even going to change much for us, except where I upload the podcast. But now um, we'll, we'll be backed a little bit by the Believe Podcast Networks, and we're excited, you know, to see what goes on from there. We might have a little bit more ads. Which, sorry for the listeners who've only had my sultry tones greeting them at the beginning of each podcast about Anchor. Um, but those will change, and soon things will be fully over. But just to get that out of the way, Kanye West changed his name. We're part of Believe, and um, JMU is going to the SEC. Anytime you can start with an announcement that doesn't really affect the listener, you have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we're excited for sure about the to be backed by a network that also has some FCS. Um, and then I'm sure in two years we'll we'll kick them to the side. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, really excited about that. It should be a lot of fun. Um, and I think Jack will probably do some overlap with them. We might have some of them on at some point too. For Bennett too. Oh, actually, Bennett's already FBS, FBS. Bennett FBS. I don't even. Con, so he doesn't do anything FCS related. I anymore. literally don't even know what the FCS is. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we'll start with realignment talk and maybe my roller coaster of emotions, which feels like a huge storyline today. Yeah, the roller coaster of emotions were a little bit. I was working, mind you. I am. Day, I was not. <laughs> yeah, I'm day three of my new job, so I'm deep in onboarding. I'm trying to figure out what the the tone of. Go ahead and give us a follow at drf underscore sports. Oh my, on get Twitter, out of here! <laughs> drf sports on Instagram. Um, that's daily racing form. They've you know just a trusted name in horse racing for all these years, and now they're getting into sports. Um, and they'll be opening sports book, all that good stuff. I'm their social media manager. Give them a follow. Um, what was I saying? I completely. Oh, I'm sitting there trying to figure <laughs> out my life of work. I just tried to plug myself, and then I'm just getting Bennett texting me. I'm sad. I'm dead. This is the worst day of my life. And when I'm like, what's happening? I go to Twitter. I see. Um, it appears that this at what Sunbelt has poached some player, some guys, and it looks like things are falling into place. And Jane, you did nothing. It looks like we're stuck in the CAA or we're going to the stripped down CUSA. And Bennett is just so sad. Then, not joking, 15 minutes later, I just want Bennett now to go over his pure elation of what happened. Let me make sure I, yeah, I'll run through the timeline here. So at 1.02 p.m., Trey Shap who is a radio person in Little Rock, Arkansas, tweets that he is- Who covers Arkansas Razorbacks athletics. Nothing to do with anything Sunbelt. Kind of interesting that I guess that he had that, that source. Um, I don't know how accurate it was, but it obviously was kind of reading the tea leaves. Southern Mississippi, the Sunbelt is a done deal, and Marshall's coming with them. Appears to be imminent. The hits keep on coming for CUSA. So I read this, and I'm thinking, <laughs> oh my God, the Sunbelt is only taking 12. Jamie is not part of that. <laughs> 
Um, and I guess we should even start before that. Yesterday, the American Athletic Conference, or earlier this week at least, the American Athletic Conference, the AAC, announced that they were taking, I think it's, what is it, six Sunbelt? No, sorry, six Conference USA. Yeah, like Charlotte, UAB. Um, North Texas, Rice. North, U- they just, Texas they gutted Antonio. The AAC gutted them of all their Texas schools and like. Yeah, the AAC is trash now, though. Like that, that league makes no sense, other than the fact that there are now three teams: Florida Atlantic, Rice, and Temple that have owl mascots. Other than that, the league has no redeeming qualities. So, <laughs> Jamie, you've been you you've been waiting <laughs> for that joke. I saw it on your face. So, Jamie is in a great spot, not being in the American Athletic. Also, worth noting. There were some fans who talked about the AAC being a good move because of TV money. ESPN does have a clause in that contract that if any teams left the American Athletic Conference, which is obviously happening, they can renegotiate that deal. So is the AAC really going to make a lot of TV money with those 12 hodgepodge teams? Probably not, even though the commissioner keeps saying that they will, which sounds annoying. Anyway, yeah, there's no way that they can keep that TV money losing what? Houston, Cincy, and UCF. Right. So, like, that was a big blow. So you've got, you know, Conference USA takes has six teams that are leaving for the American Athletic Conference. So that makes Conference USA pretty weak. You take away Marshall and Southern Miss, and Conference USA really has nothing. Um, they have ODU, but we'll get to right, ODU. Right. They have ODU, and that's pretty much the one thing that you're hanging your hat on if you're a JMU fan, when it looks like, oh, maybe the Sun Belt is only going to take 12. And then there start to be some reports. The Athletic had one. Matt Brown, who we've had on the podcast, is really good. There started to be a little bit of, of traction. Pete Thamel, I think, had one. Yep, yep. Pete Thamel had a lot of big ones. The, the Sun Belt was considering 14 <laughs> teams, which then, if you look at the geographic re- like alignment and how things would make sense, Old Dominion and JMU would really be perfect fits, and they were names mentioned in multiple articles uh, to add into the Sun Belt's 14. So then I got really, really excited. And then the other one that Pete Thamel had that was maybe the most important one, I would say, um, here it is. Nope, sorry, hold on. Yeah, yeah, here we go. If Conference USA's outreach to JMU and Liberty is successful, that'd be a key stabilizing factor for Marshall to stay. So that also made it seem, kind of going back on uh, the radio guy's report where he was saying Marshall is imminent, it's Marshall would be imminent, you know, assuming JMU um, and ODU maybe would be also joining the Sun Belt. So that made it really exciting. It actually put it in a point where like JMU has all these options. So let me get this straight for the listener and also a little bit for myself. CUSA is trying to keep Marshall by alluring JMU and Liberty. Correct. Sun Belt, on the other hand, is trying to lure Marshall away with JMU and ODU to make it a 14-team league, correct? Yes. Yeah, so Southern Miss and Marshall are the two that the Sun Belt really, really wants. So the Southern Southern Miss is all but imminent. It's it's. Let's just assume they're in the Sun Belt. Southern Miss makes a lot of sense to the Sun Belt. They fit in like that West or Southern Division, however you want to describe it. Marshall's got really good teams and a football tradition. And then ODU and JMU kind of team up where you get more geographic stuff you can make that division fit and they're both, you know, have a decent budget and they care about um, football. So if JMU stay, if JMU picks CUSA that, and then assuming Liberty then comes with them, Marshall will stay in CUSA with ODU. But if JMU picks Sunbelt, 
JMU and ODU most likely will be going to Sunbelt. That's kind of what there's a lot of moving parts. That's but that's what it seems like right now. Yes, and obviously when this posts, I'm sure it'll all become irrelevant because some yeah, but like yeah, it seems like JMU has a lot of a lot of cards there. You've got Marshall and ODU that I think are paying attention to what JMU is doing and how that all shakes out. I think the best move for JMU, especially for a lot of fans like who don't want to be associated with Liberty, uh, would be to go to the Sun Belt and be in that division that would have Coastal Carolina, Marshall, Old Dominion. Appalachian State, JMU, and then I think it's Georgia State and Georgia Southern would be the other two. So would be an unbelievably great division. And then the other side, it's got like, I think Troy would move divisions down to the other side. You have uh, Louisiana, some of those other programs in there. But the the division is probably the part that's most exciting. And then also what it brings with softball. Yeah, like that'd be a ton of fun to be able to play Louisiana, which has a power softball team. It'd be huge. And I think it would, it would probably help competition for just about every sport. I don't know exactly which ones. I guess maybe I should should check here. Which exactly what sports the Sun Belt offers. Like I don't know what would happen with um like JMU Lacrosse, for instance. I don't know if they have Sunbelt women's lacrosse or not. So like that would obviously be something that they would figure out logistically. But this stuff doesn't happen overnight either. It'd probably be what, like 2023, 2024, something like that would be my guess. Yeah. So, yeah, but I mean, it went from, in my mind, where the Sun Belt was going to go to 12 and JMU was going to have to maybe find a way. And the CAA. They would either stay or join this weird mixed up Conference USA. And now it seems like JMU can choose between, or at least has some say between like the Sun Belt and this great division or Conference USA with Marshall, potentially Old Dominion, Liberty, which could, I know JMU fans don't love what Liberty stands for and things like that and, and some of their past things, but for very good on, the, reason. on the field, they're pretty darn good. So like, I mean, there would be, <laughs> be a lot of exciting on field things in that league as well. I still think the Sun Belt is the better one. Like I think that Sun Belt would have a legitimate case as the best group of five league, which would be sweet. Yeah, I agree. So at the end of the day, you're picking the Sun Belt. I would pick the Sun Belt. Um, I'm mostly just excited that JMU has options. It, the one thing that I guess is maybe most important, it seems like by the end of this week, JMU will be, that would be what I'm sensing. JMU will have agreed or announced or really been strongly floated as joining an FBS I think, league. I think tomorrow morning. I think, I kind of think that makes sense. Otherwise, Bourne's going to have a really weird hour interview at the basketball like, media day. Like this is definitely your tweet where it was from always sunny in Philadelphia, where he has 15 million strings going around, but like, it doesn't make sense for him not to have, it doesn't make sense for him to have an hour long media day, open Q and a for nothing. Like I don't like the Atlantic union bank center has been open for a season. There's nothing really outstanding about, and not like outstanding as in like have performed really well, but like an outstanding thing that needs to be talked about that hasn't been talked about. You know what I mean? Like the only thing that makes sense is if something's on the horizon and now we're getting way too conspiracy theory into it all, but it really feels like tomorrow morning, early afternoon. Cause I want to say he goes on at one, but I'm not entirely certain on that. Um, is it, are they streaming it? I don't, I haven't seen anything about streaming it. Shane Metlin of the DNR was the last person to say something. He said he might go live from it. That would be nice. 
that would that would be really nice so i don't know if he's even allowed to go live from it though this is a good point this is a very good point yeah but um i don't know how much the sunbelt adds in in certain other things like it's not necessarily the greatest basketball league i'll say that um well, but neither that, is PAA. That, that's i think kind of what the the thing is for me is like if you're jmu you have programs that are good enough to compete in these different leagues and like Basketball wouldn't matter unless you're joining a multi-bid league. If it's still a one-bid league and you're playing ODU and Appalachian State, there's some some value and interest there. Marshall, and if you can end up beating all those teams, that carries some weight too. And also, when I look at like Ken Palm on Sun Belt, it doesn't include obviously the teams that would you know be joining. Um, so you look at like a, a Marshall and Old Dominion have a little bit of a basketball decent program for the most part. So. <laughs> That would help. Um, things fluctuate and whatnot. So I think there'd be a lot of value across sports. Um, and it would be just huge value in football, which is kind of kind of king a little bit. So it would get Jamie fans excited. The matchups well, would be cool. And the best part about going FBS is you can match up with Tech, UVA. Even, I mean, if Liberty doesn't then come with you to your conference, like you can match up with Liberty. If you're not with ODU, you can match up with ODU better. Mm-hmm. Even App State and Marshall, like even if you're not in their conference, if going FBS makes planning those home and homes so much easier than as an FCS team, which you'll never get a home and home, you know? It's huge. I mean, it's huge. You have matchups with like relevant teams. That's incredible. I mean, like you look at some of the Sunbelt games, like Louisiana opened the season this year against Texas. Like that's sweet. Obviously, I don't think JMU is necessarily going out of its way to schedule Texas, assuming it joins the Sun Belt, but like Coastal <laughs> Carolina signed a two and one with UVA. So they'll have one at Coastal and two at UVA. Like that's the kind of stuff you can do. You can do those two and ones. You can play tech. And then eventually those can turn those two and ones can turn into one and ones. Yeah. Like it's a it's a huge deal if you do move up. And it also kind of justifies JMU's massive athletic department budget. Yeah. Perfect segue to that because we were talking about if they had stayed in the CAA, they definitely need to they needed to cut that budget. Like now they don't, if they go FBS, of course, nothing's officially official. So this is all, we're all talking in the hypothetical realm, but if JMU stays CAA, which is still an option, I think they heavily need to cut that budget. Like it's just astronomical compared to other schools, even at the FBS level. Yeah, for sure. So they just seem very well positioned now which is super exciting. So yeah. I, I don't know. It just seemed like a wonderful day. If you're a JMU fan, it was fun for me because I'm in between jobs. So I've got like five days where I'm just like scrolling through apartment listings and playing golf and stuff. So I was just scrolling through Twitter all day, texting Jack, a bunch of nonsense, but gosh, what an exciting time where JMU found itself in this unbelievable position. And I think it's got a chance to have a really good football league coming up in future seasons. And that's so exciting. Like I'm really excited about the future of, of JMU athletics. Yeah. And I mean, even outside of football, I think this is, I like fans. I I feel like fans kind of have this notion that like CAA is pretty good across the board in terms of everything, but football, but like softball, when they lose a CAA game, it hurts them. And the Sun Belt, they could lose a game and it won't hurt them nearly as much as a loss in the CAA will hurt them. Same for women's lacrosse. Like, all of these, JMU is just an echelon higher than everyone else in the CAA. Now, I'm not saying the Sun Belt is a jump to the ACC where a loss can actually help you in some weird way. 
but a loss in the Sun Belt doesn't hurt you near as much as a loss in the CAA. Also, so. I'm an idiot and was looking for some reason. I was looking at 2011 stats the other day on Ken Palm. So when I search it, it always brings <laughs> me to 2011 stats on like on conferences. Um, so that's where the Sun Belt was getting hammered. But now, if you look, the Sun Belt and the CAA based on this year are literally right next to each other based on how Ken Palm rates them. He's got the CAA um, at 15th and the Sun Belt at 16th. Although if you take JMU, I was going to say CAA probably falls pretty far. If you take JMU out, it it certainly doesn't help. And it also, uh, Old Dominion's a top, you know, 150 team. So when you add them into the Sun Belt too, makes it a little bit better. And then who else are they adding? Marshall? Where's Marshall at? Sorry for the Marshall's not a Marshall's a Marshall's top. They're a little higher than ODU right now. Just really, they've got a decent team. So like there's, it would actually inflate the basketball a little bit. Um, women's basketball, like JMU, we've seen how much they've had a lot of success in the conference and they've recruited really well. Like, I don't think that would change if they're in the Sun Belt. So it just seems like almost all positives. Like, I don't know. It'd be awesome. And football would become like a national player to a certain regard they could get game day due to like some of its not that it didn't get it on its own merit before but like its own merit and also having a game that like people would the network would air right like they had game day before no one could watch effing game like (laughs) unless you were there or had like well also also the two times jamie got game day in that four-year span things happened in other games like in the weeks leading up to it Right. that like everything fell into place for Jamie to host it. You're also saying, Jamie, you can host this because it's a good matchup. Like there could be Texas USC as a ranked matchup and Jamie, you could get it with a ranked matchup with, you know, hosting app state. Yeah. I mean, that like, probably yeah. won't happen for a while. Cause like that would also like Texas USC just has a lot bigger of a fan base than, yeah, but, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, and they do it for environment too and things like that. Like the fact that Coastal has kind of come onto the scene and been relevant is really cool. So like there's there's value in these teams. You also look at like a Marshall or an Old Dominion. I think Old Dominion's going to get better. And Appalachian State, like a really proud football tradition. They have history with JMU. I think fans new would care more about it. Um, I don't know. I think it'll be be really good. So I'm excited about the opportunity. Uh, you know, Jamie fans have always been conference snobs, um, but <laughs> we both read that some person, G- Georgia Southern recruiting nation um, is in our mentions right now on Jamie sports news saying how Jamie fans are conference snobs and how we've always fit the American <laughs> athletic conference bill, but we just didn't want to go to them. This person and we've been seen. happy playing in the kitty. Clearly this man just got invited to the party on how JMU has been handling FBS rumors this, and um, didn't read the right tweets or something. This guy is I, saying, I JMU isn't going anywhere. It's like, I, you know, I trust the, <laughs> the sources here. Uh, Pete Thamel, I think is probably more credible than uh, Georgia Southern or Georgia state recruiting nation. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's kind of what happened in realignment today. What a whirlwind, like just, what a what a two hours what between unbelievable stretch and i feel like they're in a position where we're probably going to get some more news really soon and it seems like it's going to be really positive even if they decide you know to kind of go the conference usa route it, it seems like the fbs they have options and they'll actually take one so it's also yeah. i mean i guess we should probably credit the administration right like they built up the program the last few years even though they didn't go in 2013 
or whatever when they could have. And it, they're in a good spot. I, they're in a lot better spot than what they were in 2013. I mean, you look at what happened with ODU. And I know here we are touting ODU as this is a program you can hang your hat on. And we're happy. That's more so for just the regional aspect, I think, just to bring kind of bring a regional rival back into the fold. They can't get worse. Yeah, they can't get worse. Exactly. They they upset Virginia Tech like we did a few years ago, <laughs> but <laughs> on CBS Sports Network at ODU. So that's also a big part of it. Um, where, where was I keep losing my train of thought tonight. This is why we can't record past seven. The administration you know? put uh, us in a good spot. Yeah, this is a lot better spot than it was in 2013. And now fans have been clamoring for it and clamoring for it. And as things have happened, they probably didn't expect everything to happen with the Big 12 and then the American to get gutted. But say they had taken like a shot at the American in 2017 when it looked like American was at the height of a power six and everything. Now the American's gutted or the American isn't gutted. The American's taking on all these random teams and it doesn't look like a good conference. It's going to lose its ESPN deal. And all of a sudden you're sitting there and you can choose between a freaking awesome Sun Belt, which is where I want it to go. And I also think from everything I'm reading and I don't know my feels and just being around JMU for a while, I think that's where they would pick. I think they're going to go Sun Belt. But even not, if you go to CUSA, you have Marshall. You have then Liberty, which like you said, isn't isn't someone we love off the field, but like you said, they're good on the field. Um, so having them there and maybe, I mean, Marshall's been ranked the last couple of seasons, been in and out of the rankings. Liberty's been in and out of the rankings. And then if JMU and ODU can build up, you have two teams in football that could potentially be in and out of the rankings in the next five years. It becomes a really good league. Like it's exciting. I think JMU, when they get in it with full scholarships, will be competitive right away, not necessarily winning it. But like it wouldn't take a, crazy long buildup, which I think is also really fun. That's the fun part about CUSA. I think long-term wise though, the Sun Belt with what it could potentially be would be more set to, to just be better for a longer period of time. Yeah. I think that's probably the spot to be. It seems like the kind of universities are maybe a little bit aligned um, in many ways in terms of how they feel about sports. It would be cool. It would also be really fun to complain about how JMU doesn't get respected and they're in the best group of five in the league. Like, I could see Jamie fans, I think they already have, embracing this like online where it's like, oh, we're disrespected. Like there's nothing a Jamie fan loves more, including myself, than just like complaining online. And I feel like the sun well, belt. I mean, I'm gonna be honest, Jamie kind of is at, at the SCS level, they kind of are disrespected. I can give it to Jamie fans for that. <laughs> they are disrespected. Today there's some stuff happening where this is clearly That's a true. Jamie story, and then they're making it about the Missouri Valley. Come on. <laughs> Maybe I should say JMU's not disrespected. The CAA is disrespected. I think there's, especially nationally, people you know discredit the FCS and things like that. So I, I get it. I like touting JMU's. But I think they'll still get they'll get more respect, but there's still gonna be an element of like, oh, they're not playing the same level. Oh, they're or, an FCS school. They they don't deserve to be here. And then they're gonna. I'm I'm very excited. I think it'll be a lot of fun every football season. And I think it's, it's an upgrade in different areas. The other thing too, with like basketball, I was thinking about this today, like they're, they don't currently really have like basketball rivals. So like any league you join is ODU is like their biggest rival in George Mason. So if they could like that, I was also thinking from a basketball standpoint, if they could join where ODU goes, which if they go Sunbelt and they bring ODU with them, like, I think that would be so much fun to have a, a two game series 
with ODU each year. Like that would be so much fun. And then not to mention App State is not a great basketball team, but there's a regional kind of stuff there. And same with Marshall. It would be a lot of fun. It would be way better. It'd be a lot of fun. I'm excited about it. I think it's gonna be great for so many different sports, assuming that's the one they pick, obviously. CUSA might even be better in terms of a basketball. You've got some interesting then you have Liberty too. They have some interesting basketball teams. So stuff to consider. But it seems like JMU is going to have an option, and it seems like JMU will actually take an option. And it seems like they're going FBS everybody. Who do, you, who do you think they're going? Who do you think they're going to pick? It seems like Sunbelt has everything they would want. My guess is that would be, I mean, you're looking at pretty much everybody is in your divisions, like a bus trip for football. That's pretty darn good. And basketball, there's a lot of, a lot of close ones. Like they've already got what in Northeastern. It's like a weird ass basketball one that they have. So. Northeastern, I was thinking about that today. Northeastern was the most exciting conference game last year. Northeastern, like, <laughs> and Hofstra, like, there's no reason <laughs> those should be games they play in a, in conference. <laughs> Northeastern. And they're not even, they don't even have football teams. It doesn't make any sense. So that'll be interesting to get out of. Um, I'm just excited. I think it's, gosh, it's a, it's a good move. It's been a long time coming. It's been a long time coming. Yeah, I'm just reading our our mentions have been a wild place today, and it's been so much fun reading it. Um, so with all that, re- well, yeah, we we talked about that, got that out of the way. <sighs> what a day, man! Okay, so then on top of all of that, we can't forget this. Janu did play a football game on Saturday. Doesn't even matter, bro. Moving up. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get to watch any of that game? No, I don't think I. I don't think I've seen much of it. I went back and watched some highlights, like I usually do, and have analyzed the box score and whatnot. But I, I saw the score. I saw how it played out, and I was like, you know what? I don't need to do. I'll go back and watch that score. ugly game. Yeah. So take me through your major takeaways from this game. You talked about it. You we've got we've kind of both talked about this at length. Their red zone mm. issues. Mm. JMU had four trips into the red zone against Richmond on the road. And play dumb here, play dumb, because I know I've told you this number before. Just guess how many points they scored when they went to the red zone. Just guess. 20. 12. That's, that's crazy because they landed. Four red zone <laughs> trips and they only kicked field goals. I did. I played, what? I played too dumb, I guess, more than the points they scored in the game. <laughs> like, so at the end of the day, that's their problem. I mean, they, they just don't seem to, they can't seem to finish drives. I mean, a 19 to six, sorry, I just had my thing covered up a 19 to three win. Like that's fine. It's just weird, man. Like it was a game where they, they, destroyed Richmond. They outgained him, I think, by over 200 yards. Defense was absolutely dominant, only allowed three points. And that was on a drive where they had, like, kind of two wacky chunk plays. Um, So the defense played lights out all game. We'll talk about the return of MJ Hampton and his kind of role in it. He was the second leading tackler on the team. I think was six tackles. So he brought it. He brought an edge. The defensive line was great. Of course, the linebackers and secondary. Well, of course, the linebackers were good. Secondary was serviceable. Was pretty good. It's just this offense. I mean, people have talked about it. They're missing a spark. But here's the thing: they have Antoine Wells. They have Latrell Palmer, Percy. 
Ajay Obase. Did I finally get his last name right? It's like Ajay. Ajay Obase. I always want to say Ajay. So Ajay Obase. And then you have Cole, who's the sixth most efficient passer in the FCS, first most efficient in the CAA. You have Clayton Cheatham. You have um, Scott Bracey, Chris Thornton. Chris Thornton, I think, leads the team. I'm just rattling off numbers now. You get the point. They have a lot of playmakers. And they get inside the 20 and they freeze up. If you look at um, Eastern Washington, probably has the best offense in the country. Is that that's they've, fair? They've, yeah, the best quarterback with Eric Barrier. Yeah. You they've been in the red zone a whopping 45 times, which is <laughs> how many times has Jamie been in the red zone? Uh, 29, I think. Wow. I think wow. they might have, they might have an extra, they have an extra game on them. So uh, Jamie will probably close that a little bit here, but not. Yeah, not Jamie will. They'll get a 15 red zone. Trip yeah, if Jamie has 16 red zone trips, <laughs> what a game. But they'll close it a little bit. But they've had 45 red zone trips, Eastern Washington. They're scoring on touchdowns on 71% of them. JMU's at 51%. Like, you got to – I'm not saying they need to score at 71%, but, like, 60-plus percent is pretty reasonable and easy. Or even – yeah, I mean, JMU had – you have four red zone and, – and also, I, I know last week I was an apologist on Kurt Signetti. I was defending him and his play calling and the, and the halftime halftime snafu with the time management. I'm all out on it. I don't like his play calling. <laughs> Maybe you'll walk me off the cliff again because we, we had this text conversation, I think, on Sunday and you walked me off the cliff. But with the his style of coaching and with the talent Jamie has, they're never going to get blown out. They're always going to be in close games. So it, it's kind of tough to – to grade it and to kind of really get a good feel. But there are points in that game. You're up 11 in the third quarter inside the 10-yard line. It is third and two, and you drop back to pass. Cole gets sacked, seven-yard loss. It's now fourth and nine. You're still inside the 10. You're up 11, so you're up two scores. And they kick a field goal. And just analytically, that makes no sense. Because now you go from being up 11 to being up 14, and it's still just a two-possession game where if you punch it in for the touchdown, you're up three possessions. So like, And he he had a couple of those where just analytically, it was one of the worst play calls I've seen in in at least the last five years of football. (laughs) You've got to score touchdowns in there. I think some of it is the offensive lines kind of still still growing a bit. So like third and two and they take a sack, like you can't take a sack. It's third and two. You have Percy and Latrell. But if they're not, if they're not blocking the the heck out but, of them, it might be a play it for four downs. Is what I'm saying. But what if Don't they get stuffed it. twice? Then he's getting the same. Okay. The same. Okay. Team. Then you have then you have one of the best defenses and defensive lines in the country. That's fair. And you have the opponent on the half yard line because you just got stuffed twice in a row. So you get the safety. You get the ball back with a punt. Like, why are you passing on third and two from the two? This is fair. So I'm getting really heated now. <laughs> wow. I didn't expect <laughs> to get this heated over play calls. On I'm trying to find where they rank. So they're six of eight this year on fourth down. So they, I think they could probably get a little more, even more aggressive because they have been pretty good when they do go for it on fourth, uh, which is a pretty darn good percentage. One of the best in the, I think they're, yeah, they're 11th nationally in fourth down conversion percentage. So maybe a little more aggressive on fourth offensive line needs to play a little bit better. Um, the other thing is like, I still want them, and this probably helps in the red zone and, and other different areas. How many times do you see like an NFL team or a really good college team, they get in the red zone and they run some sort of play fake and they throw it to like a scrub 
tight end or like a third receiver that no one's expecting to get the ball. Like the target share and the reception share to Wells and Thornton is insane compared to the other guys. Like you got to get someone else involved. And, and here's another crazy thing. We don't have advanced analytics in front of us. They, they aren't accessible for the FCS level. But if we're talking about average depth of target, a dot, it is not deep. For Chris Thornton, I got to believe it's at least five yards in on his A dot, maybe a little bit further off of a couple outlier plays. And Antoine Wells ain't much ain't much more than that. Like, they're really close. And I think that's another problem when they get into the red zone. When the field shrinks, you can't run your slants. You can't run your quick hitters as easily. But, yeah, I mean, I think I texted you, why don't you just run a play-action tight end bootleg every play on the goal line? Like eventually you have four shots at it. It's going to work. So you have (laughs) Chris Thornton has 45 catches this year. Antoine Wells has 36. The next highest reception guy. Can you guess it? Who it is and how many they have? I'm going to guess Noah Turner with nine. It is actually. Wait, let me guess. Van Horse with 13. Van Horse with 11. Like, so it's, and he missed two games. So you, but I mean, you've got like. (laughs) Some of these guys are, are really – they're catching about a football a game um, where you've got the other two that have been the heavy target. So I think getting other guys involved is big because they have – they've shown at times they can stretch the field a little bit with those two guys. Um, but, yeah, I think it's it's valuable. Like when you get in the red zone and they're pressing them or they're playing zone um, and just kind of waiting on those guys and there aren't easy pockets, maybe find someone else. Maybe do a little a thing with Van Horse and a jet sweep or something. So like, just try to, I don't know, incorporate different guys who are, are really good and can, who aren't the two that everyone expects you to go to. Yeah. And I, I think a big problem with that target share too, because we're kind of, we're not saying we haven't seen the tight ends be used heavily in the passing game, but they were used a lot more in past years. I do think they're keeping the tight ends more to help with the offensive line, yeah. um, which is why you're seeing kind of a target share go so heavily to the wide receivers in Thornton and Antoine Wells. Um, I also just have to see Scott Bracey and um, I'm trying to end uh, Reggie Brown, Reggie Brown. And there's one other guy, Kevin Curry. Well, Kevin Curry and Reggie Brown had big games against New Hampshire. And granted that was kind of a closer than it should have been win, and the offense had its struggles and shot itself in the foot. Um, the offense looked good at points in that game and we're moving the ball with relative ease until the unfortunate turnovers, but we'll, we'll move past that um, was re- with relative ease. And they were doing it by spreading the wealth. They were getting it to Reggie Brown. They were getting it to Kevin Curry. And those guys had more catch. Probably that was like season highs for both of them in catches. The other play that every NFL team does in the red zone successfully is the Philly special. I'm not saying that they have to do that, but like there are ways to get really creative. I feel like that works every time someone runs it where you're like, end up throwing it back at the quarterback, but just, I don't know, something that's not a run up the gut or like looking for Thornton or Wells feels like it could maybe change some stuff up at the same time. I don't think their their stats were nearly as bad before Richmond. So I think that one is like exacerbated, like four red zone trips with no touchdowns has skewed the stats a little bit worse than they were the first, whatever many weeks, five, I guess. Yeah. Especially because we do forget they put up 55 on Maine. They look great the first few weeks of the year for sure. So it's interesting, but I mean, you're coming off a one point loss where things didn't go your way. And now you're come you, you came off of a, a Richmond game where they only, they had four red zone trips and they win by 16 and they have 12 points off of those trips. Like 
you just, you just start to get a little bit upset with this team. At least I do where, you know, their potential, but the FCS is also such a topsy turvy, weird place where like all the top teams this weekend lost. So now you're looking at JMU is still right in the thick of it for a national title hunt. Yeah. I think that's maybe the biggest thing is like, when we look at the flaws, the flaws are not like, Oh, if JMU doesn't fix this, they're going to miss the playoffs. It's like, if JMU doesn't fix it, they're going to lose in the semis instead of the, instead of winning. (laughs) So they're, they're probably still going to make a pretty deep run and the schedule the rest of the way. I imagine their red zone woes will go away because they're playing some kind of woeful teams. You got Delaware, that's really banged up at quarterback, Elon Campbell, William Mary Towson. I don't I mean, I don't think any team keeps it within 10. I don't, I don't either. I mean, Delaware's the best team that they play, but Nolan Henderson won't be playing. The defense for Delaware allows 25 points per game. They got blown out last week. Yeah. The, one of the worst defenses probably in the CAA and they're going up against the number one scoring offense in JMU. So that's going to be that's going to be interesting to see. I mean, they allow over 350 yards a game, man. That's not horrible. Delaware does. That's not horrible. Their their defense is okay. I feel like they've had a couple performances that are. I, but they did. They also gave up 34 to Stony Brook. So. We. I think you got to say. Yeah, you got to say that they gave up 34 to Stony Brook. They're not Stony Brook. Well, do you still think they're a national Stony title? Been one of the worst teams in the CAA all do season you, in terms of. They had a 99-yard touchdown run, Stony Brook. Wow. Do you still think <laughs> do you still think Delaware's a national title contender? Shut up. I wanted, wanted to check in there and see if they also, this is probably worth noting. Uh Stony Brook ran for 251 yards and 5.7 yards per carry. So good news for Jamie's rushing offense. That is inflated, hyperinflated. Hyperinflated by, by the 99-yard run. <laughs> but they still had some pretty, pretty decent runs for some of the guys who uh, went out there. And also they had a bunch of sack yardage that they lost a little bit of. So pretty good. Yeah. We got some fun facts going into this matchup. Delaware is the only CAA team to have a winning record against JMU. Do you know what their record is against JMU? 17 and 16, 14 and 12. Wow. So we're, we're, however, JMU's won the last four. Including a playoff battle. Including playoff battle. Last time they met in the regular season was when? Was it the 31 24 game? It was the ugly, windy game at Delaware. Oh, God. They had a lot of those. I was probably at that game. <laughs> you probably were. When was that? No, you might not have been. 2017. 2017 is the last time they played Delaware in the regular season? Yeah. What? That's the last time they played was 2018. Really? For some reason, I thought they had played in 2019. You're wrong. <laughs> That's crazy. What was I thinking of? I don't know. Okay. But oh, I was so, thinking of a William & Mary game. I remember. Any, one of, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll let you go off. Continue, continue. One of my worst memories early in my JMU fandom, this is my freshman year, they hosted <laughs> Delaware. And they got jobbed. Well, I, he was probably short of the line to gain, but <laughs> they end up losing thirty to twenty three in overtime, and they like got stuffed at the goal line to like tie it late. I was I was pissed. It helped build out my Jamie fandom, though. It's like, wow, I actually care about this team. What a surprise! Awesome. That yeah, was correct. <laughs> and then the Dukes rallied after that. They dropped. They dropped to two and three, and then they said, you know what? We're sick of this. We're trying. And they to- lost in the first round to Liberty, right? Yeah, they didn't score like in the 
fourth quarter, second half or something. So, well, what, do you have any other expectations coming into this game? I mean, without Nolan Henderson, I feel like the Blue Hens are a flightless bird. Yep, I think that's a pretty good way to to sum it up. I mean, I think again, like red zone, take care of business, keep getting some guys going. Um, should we talk about MJ Hampton? Well, we can real quick. I just want to talk about this team has to stop shooting themselves in the darn foot, man. Like, I know you, you had a really funny analogy last week where it was like, uh, what did you say? They have two pistols in each hand continuously <laughs> shooting themselves in the foot. I mean, they really do feel like some of these games, I think Villanova was maybe a little bit of an outlier where Villanova's like was able to hang in that game, but the rest of the way and including Delaware, like if JMU plays its best football, there's not really any chance the other team beats them. Yeah. What JMU had three fumbles. They lost one. Like just, that's a drive killer, but. Can't make mistakes. You gotta, you gotta clean it up. They gotta clean it up a little bit. Cause. Uh, what were you saying? What were you saying before I interrupted you about? We got a, shooting we got a Twitter question to, that was saying, instead of some of the realignment, talk about MJ Hampton's importance. He sort of works back into the fold. I think he's very important. He's uh, I mean, the, the Duke's defense allowed what 28 to Villanova. I granted he was out for an extended period of time, but if you look at the one kind of big game that they had in his absence, they allowed 28 to Villanova. The defense struggled at times, allowed three scoring possessions on the first three drives of the second half to take the lead. Then they never looked back. And then when MJ Hampton comes back, he's kind of in that Rover position where he's, that third linebacker that can drop back into coverage. I'm kind of a pivotal guy in the Signetti defense. Yeah. He had six tackles. Second leading. Yeah. Like he can play different spots at like the safety area, which helps. And we've talked about how, like we think the secondary is maybe the weakest position group on the defense. So to have MJ Hampton back is obviously a pretty big deal. He's played a lot. He's good. Here's I, I need to correct myself. He did play against Villanova. He had two tackles. So what I said was very wrong, and I apologize. I think he's sort of working back to, like, full capacity. Yeah. But yeah, very important role he plays in that defense. And his growth this season is – I mean, it's it's kind of like – I think Greg Medea has been writing about it a lot, and there's been a lot of talk about how Kurt Signetti saying every week um, the offensive line is going to get better every yeah. week. They're going to come together, which is very true for them. And I think it's kind of the same with MJ Hampton. And I think with his growth, you'll see the defense kind of come into their own. And hopefully you can see the defensive line come into like what we expected. Six sacks against Richmond. They they did fantastic against Richmond. All season they haven't 100% lived up to, you know, the expectations we put on them. Granted, the expectations we put on them were probably way too high for any, you know, college-level defensive line. Uh, but then, yeah, six sacks against uh, – Richmond and I think Bryce Carter, the Towson transfer, yeah. was just everywhere. He was good. Mike Green was good. You know, one of the sacks was a Zanima linebacker. But, yeah, I mean, if the defensive line is, like, dominant, you got the linebackers flying around and MJ Hampton sort of back in the mix helping the secondary, yeah, the defense is really good. Like, they should be pretty productive, even if they give up some yards and plays and, and touchdowns. It's going to happen. You're not going to, like, shut everyone out or hold everyone to three, especially when they have a starting quarterback. Richmond did not. So there's and that. Delaware won't. Right. So there's that. But I don't know. I think they'll they'll keep getting better in the offense. I don't think the red zone, like they're not most weeks they're not going to get in the red zone four times and not score a touchdown. 
Yeah, that is kind of the outlier, and so we'll see. We'll see. They're winning the Natty, and regardless, it doesn't even matter. <laughs> they're going to the Sun Belt. <laughs> Uh, I wonder what the buyout fee for the CAA is. They should. You just have to pay for like a year of flow sports. So what? Uh, Five hundred dollars is that? What a stupid service. ESPN Plus. Here we come, baby. Bye-bye. Wednesday night kickoff. Bye bye, flow. Wednesday night kickoff. Bye bye. God, I can't um, joke about. So from there, we talked a little Delaware. We've talked a little Richmond reaction. Talked about MJ Hampton. Uh-huh. Anything, let me, as you kind of say anything else that we need to hit, let me see if we have any other questions. Yes, that's a good idea. I am excited to see them. I keep looking at the wrong box score. I am excited to see them the rest of the year, how they get going. Cause I think they have a chance to work some stuff out while winning games. And the other thing that's like kind of crazy is like, Wells is still not like a hundred percent. Um, he's not at all. <laughs> like, yeah, you like, see him, like in the third quarter, he's limping. Do you, th- <laughs> do you think they'll just like rest in the last two games? Cause I kind of do <laughs> like, if he's not a hundred, no. if he's not a hundred percent, I absolutely, th- I think they're going to like get him ready for the playoffs. Cause they know they're going to blow out the next two. And they, there's a good chance they have, do have a first round buy. I don't think they'll do that because I, I think, the only way they do that is if they start limiting his snaps, but I don't think they'll ever just pull him. That's fair. I hope like they get, might instead of taking 90% of this offensive snaps, he might take like 45. I hope against Towson final game of the year, they pull their starters like an NFL team and just rest them all. It's like Billy Atkins and <laughs> Latrell Palmer. Like they, they only use not the, the starting guys. It'd be kind of hilarious. Still win by like 21. Yeah, I was going to say, as long as you have Latrell Palmer in there, you just hand it up to him 20 times. Yeah, he still feels like he'll finish with 200 yards. Yeah, so, yeah, the rest of the schedule, not overly excited about, but three of the five are at home. Uh, Delaware is still somewhat interesting, so. Delaware is not really. I mean, it's weird. Now that I think the most interesting game you have left on the uh, on the schedule is a fantastic matchup against Elon and Davis Cheek because he's probably the best quarterback they face off against for the rest of the season. Yeah, probably, but uh, this is why we're excited for the Sunbelt. Yep, Sunbelt, bring it on. App State, Coastal, ODU, Marshall, people. In other JMU news, that's not football, that's not realignment, some Olympic sports stuff, Keith, George Heath picked up CAA Men's Golfer of the Week, while Amelia Williams picked up the CAA Women's Golfer of the Week. And Kiki Jefferson was named to the Becky Hammond Player of the Year Award watch list. Very cool. And men's soccer, they come back home and they had a draw against American. And I think they're ranked in the low 20s. A 0-0 draw. Yes. They got to start finishing those chances. Yeah, like like the other football. They need to start finishing. Both footballs need to finish their chances. So true. Well, for Bennett Collins. Whoa, 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 whoa. What? <laughs> oh, my God. We got to do, do our Sunbelt pick them. <laughs> our what pick pick them? Sorry, I missed that. Well, I think we should switch to the Sunbelt now. We should do that. Okay, just Sunbelt? <laughs> no, we got to do our CAA pick them. Don't try to get out of this just because we had a horrible week. Um, I would like to say everyone get on Bennett for figuring out what our record is. I, I know think, it was my fault I'll be honest that I lost. I think we went two and four, or at least I went two. Oh, I have last week's picks. You ready? Yep. 
William and Mary, we both picked. Wrong. Uh, UNH, we both picked. Wrong. <laughs> JMU, we both picked. But listen to the score predictions. I said 38-21. You said 42-17. <laughs> Wrong. Wrong. Um, I picked Stony Brook. Did you actually? You picked Delaware. Wow. <laughs> nice job. No. Um, Villanova. Yeah, they won. And then we both picked Rhode Island. And so Rhode Island got a, smacked. You had a one and four. Oh, no, I had a two and four. I got Villanova and James. Sorry, sorry. So you had a, a two and three week. Two and I four, had two a and four, two and four. No, one. There were six three, games. Four. There were six games. So you had a two and four week, man. That's right. <laughs> well, I had a one. Two, I had a three and three week. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to go in. the first time all season I had a better record than you. I'll go in tomorrow and actually take notes of what we've done. That'd be awesome. All right. So this week we have Maine at Albany. What do you got? This is a good chance for Albany to get its first win. You're playing a main team. I'll just say Albany wins the game. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> um, I'll just say Maine wins the game. That's fair enough, man. <laughs> UNH, Elon. Who do you got? Love this matchup. Um, I'll say UNH finds a way to get it done. They need this win if they want to get into the playoffs. I'm going to say Elon. I think it's a tough trip for UNH. And this isn't just me trying to be the opposite of you. Um, I think Davis Cheek is a serviceable CAA quarterback. Um, UNH traveling big. They're coming off a disappointing loss to Dartmouth. Who's, Dartmouth's a good team this season in the CAA. Yeah. In the CAA. In the uh, <laughs> FCS. I ended, up betting, um, I ended up betting Dartmouth when I saw some more information about that game. And they, they ended up winning by about 17. Ivy doesn't participate in the playoffs, though, so don't have to worry about that. Doesn't matter, baby. Sunbelt. <laughs> All right. Um, JMU Delaware. Who do you got? JMU 38, Delaware 10. I'm going to pick JMU 24 to 3. That sounds like a game I don't want to watch. <laughs> <laughs> um, and here's the thing. They're going to they're gonna have – Four field goals. <laughs> how does that math? I don't know that any math sense. <laughs> 24, um, 12 of the points are field goals. 12 of the points are touchdowns and safety. All of, they've kicked eight field goals. You think they're going to kick eight field goals and win 24 to three. Rhode Island, Villanova. This is a, I think Villanova, I think Rhode Island proved last week that they're a bunch of frauds. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's not you. We can't throw around that word frauds too easily. They lost to Towson by 21. Towson's a bunch of quitters. I think Villanova. (laughs) I think Villanova's the best team in the CAA, and I I think they're gonna easily beat Rhode Island. Like, unfortunately, I think Rhode Island's kind of um minute in the spotlight has ended in the FCS world. Uh, They're gonna quickly have two CAA losses two losses on their resume and they're going to be fighting for their playoff lives for the rest of the season. They have Maine next week. They have UMass. So that should be two wins. Then they have new master. That'll be a tough one, but then they have Elon. They should be able to make the playoffs still, but they're dead. They're dead. And and no Sunbelt invite for Rhode Island, which I found both shocking and sad or Delaware, not a peep out of them. (laughs) 
<laughs> Not a peep out of the elderly. They were asleep by the time everything went down. <laughs> Richmond, Stony Brook, who do you got? Ugh. Well, Stony Brook found a way to beat Delaware by 17. Oh, I feel wow. like they figured something Is out. Is Towson's a sneaky good team? No. Okay. Sorry, what were you saying? I didn't mean to interrupt. How many? Wait, how, what's their? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> They've had like their losses were against good teams. And their wins were against good teams. Well, they beat Morgan State. But yeah, they do have a couple of nice wins. So maybe Towson is figuring it out. Anyway, I'll take I'll just take Stony Brook because I think Richmond has nothing offensively right now. Um, I'm going to take Stony Brook as well. Without Mancuso, Richmond is lifeless. Like they, they're off. Bo English might be hurt too, and their backup was playing. And then like their fourth string came in. That offense is is dead in the water. Towson, William and Mary, who do you got? Well, now that we're starting to really buy into Towson, I actually think maybe Towson is sneaky good. I think so too. I'm picking Towson. Yeah. All right. Let's take Towson then. Let's ride. Let's ride with it. So to recap, Albany, UNH, JMU, Villanova, Stony Brook, Towson for Bennett, Maine, Elon, JMU, Villanova, Stony Brook, Towson for me. Wow. That's exciting. So the first two are different, but the rest we ride together. So anything else you need to add? I pull up the sun. <laughs> the sunbelt scores. <laughs> What's a coastal app state doing right now? That's a great question. I'll Google coastal app state. Thanks for giving me. Oh, looks much. like it's a little 14 14 the second quarter. A couple of future opponents getting after it. <laughs> All right. For Ben and Conlon, my name is Jack Fitzpatrick. Sunbelt, here we come. You guys have a wonderful rest of your day. See ya. Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money at You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.